The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Voice Gate for January 14th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com homepage and you click the box that says sponsor the show and you could do a one time or recurring donation. There's no obligation whatsoever, but I would like to thank our previous donors. I am one of your hosts. It is your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. My co-host, Case Lowe, is on assignment this week. So this is the first full week of Dragon Gate's 2021 campaign, and I'm going to be talking about the kickoff show in Kyoto, the show the next day in Osaka Edeon 2, and the double header that was in Cork and Hall. The format, I'm probably going to keep this kind of like how I did the solo shows in the past where I just recorded my thoughts after watching each one of the four shows and then have something special for a wrap-up segment. But it's it's an interesting time in Dragon Gate. We ended 2020 with R.E.D. standing alone in the three-way generation war. Uh, Masquerade was ascendant, especially with the debut of La Estrella. Natural Vibes has reformed, and Team Boku is still being Team Boku. So we're we're deep in the unit shuffle, and as I record this on Wednesday night, we're starting to see the first pieces fall and see where people are lining up. But all in all, I thought this was a really interesting first week from Dragon Gate in 2021, and it's going to lead to a pretty remarkable 2021, all things considered. And I'm looking forward to seeing how things end up so without any ado let's get to the show reviews dragon gate started their year in kyoto on january 9th this is they usually start the year in kyoto it seems to be over the last few years they like having their first show in front of those fans it was at kbs hall attendance was up from the last time they were there it was up to 270 up from 255 and overall uh, given how this month has laid out and the fact that they have back-to-back Corkins and it seems like they're not doing a reunion show this year that you know it got it got the gears running and you know not a whole lot of stuff I would say about unit shake-up stuff I guess they were saving it for the bigger shows in both uh, Tokyo and Sambo Hall so just starting off it just was a solid show uh there was one match that already made my notebook for this year which i was pretty surprised with but you know this kyoto venue i i mean kbs hall is well renowned for being one of the more beautiful venues in all of wrestling but over the last year and or so whenever they've appeared in kyoto kbs hall they've really brought it it they never really have title matches there but if i were to rank like their monthly stops 
you you know i would probably put this one right behind sambo and both importance and and work rate it's one of those shows that really each month they stop by kyoto they always put their best foot forward and you know to start off the year it was a pretty quick show it was if you're someone who does not watch all the mic the mic work or the intermission you get in and out of the show in an hour and a half which you know that's kind of insane considering the week previous the, there were two wrestle kingdoms but the show opened with the with the original like mic talk it was yamato mochizuki dragon kid and masada yoshino of course masada yoshino was pulled from these shows due to his neck acting up and he looked like a guy who was dealing with a bad neck I, he did make a remark that he blamed dragon kid for this because dragon kid curses things in his mind and he just told everyone that you shouldn't when you're forming your new units you shouldn't have dragon kid he's going to curse your unit and he stuck around at ringside for the opening match this was Team Boku of uh, Ryo Saito, Bukudomo, Dragon, and Punch Tomonaga versus the unaffiliated team Masaki Mochizuki, Dragon Kid, and Yamato. Yamato got the win with the Frankensteiner of the Almighty in 13 minutes 51 seconds on Punch Tomonaga. I, I went a flat three for this. This was a fun opener. It was really kind of funny that Masaki Mochizuki for a lot of this was just being the crap out of Ryo Saito. But whenever Pokudomo came into the match, he sold he he sold faithfully for all of the big spots there. And the other like big thing of note was Punch went for his uh, double jump moonsault and landed right on his head. It was gnarly and all during this match at ringside was Masato Yoshino and he was cracking up at Bokudomo whenever Bokudomo was doing an Ultimo thing and just kind of mess it up or whenever Punch Tomonaga landed flat on his head it was a fun opener and that led us to our second match this was a RED versus unaffiliated tag match UT and Yosuke Santa Maria the former Tri-Vanguard members teaming up against RED's Hyo and Diaya Inferno uh, Hio got the win after some uh, after some shady business. Like he w- was able to kind of get things through, and this was probably I think the weakest match on the show. The finish, and a lot of that was due to the finish. It was a Dia Inferno distraction, which let Hio do the quick like low blow roll up, and Dia Inferno wasn't necessarily on the same page needed to be of that. But Inferno and UT had some uh, really fun chemistry here. I mean, two and three quarter stars. This match didn't go much longer than 10 minutes. And, you know, it just was kind of there. And then we had our singles match on the show. It was Keisuke Akuda versus Yazushi Kanda. Keisuke Akuda won with the Good Knight, which is his running PK after Yazushi Kanda kicked out of the Danger Zone. And it was something that was kind of just... I mean, no, it was not the Danger Zone. It was Lights Out. He kicked out of the Lights Out, his GTS variant, in eight minutes, 57 seconds. And... One of like the nice things I've noticed over the last few years is that Yazushi Kanda has kind of fi- found his veteran role, especially not being a heel. And he was someone that really in Berserk and R.E.D. just did not feel it whatsoever. He just kind of brought down a bunch of matches because he would do his heel shtick. And he's a 40-year-old guy doing the heel shtick considering the career and the injuries he's had. Not so hot. But as a just a undercard veteran babyface, he was a lot of fun. And the interesting thing about this match was this match, 8 minutes, 57 seconds. About the first four minutes of it, it was Kanda completely on offense and taking it to Akuda, which was kind of wild. And, you know, he kicked out lights out. That's usually uh, Akuda's uh, singles finisher. You I mean, if he's not doing the sleeper hold or the danger zone, uh, Hurricane Rana into the triangle sleeper. Usually that's the way he gets people out here, but he got a kick out there and it had the PK. I went three and a quarter on this. This is the first match of, of the show and of the year to make one of my recommendations list. Just barely made it, but it was a good time. And in the post-match, post a Punch Tomonaga came out and wanted to scrap of Okuda. And Okuda made a crack about how he just missed a double jump moonsault and he wants to try his luck again. And then, Oku- and then Okuda put him on his ass and said, oh, we're going to scrap. That's okay. I'll see you in Corkin because they have a singles match at the next Corkin show. So, you know, nice little build here. I mean, they've been building up to these Corkin shows pretty well. Then we got into 
match four, pre-intermission, we had the unaffiliated tag teams of Ultimo Dragon Takeda Kamei versus Don Fuji and Kagatora. And whenever Don Fuji is in the ring of Takeda Kamei, either as a partner or as an opponent, those two just, they just go at it. They just kind of pepper each other up. This was a very light day at the office for Ultimo Dragon. Kamei got the fall for the team in 12 minutes and 36 seconds with a jackknife cradle on Don Fuji. And he just basically, like, Ultimo came in for, like, two minutes, did Ultimo spots, and, you know, just stood on the apron and let the angry young guy take a lot of it. And this was just a lot of fun. It's nice seeing Kagatora in a match that doesn't necessarily have stakes but actually him you know putting for full effort so that was nice and him and Kamei had some great offense and Kamei you know he he had a big weekend and we'll get into it when I talk about Osaka and in the post-match Don Fuji was very mad about the speed of Mr. Nakagawa's count he threw him outside the ring and Mr. Nakazawa took a hell of a bump there and he was very angry because he thought Mr. Nakagawa was counting far too fast the semi-main event was a R.E.D. versus Masquerade eight-man tag team match. It was the full act of Masquerade contingent. Shun Skywalker, Kota Minonora, Jason Lee, and La Estrella versus the R.E.D. team of Ada, B.B. Hulk, Diamante, and Hip Hop Kakuda. It was Kota Minonora getting a pin with over Hulk with the gang in 12 minutes and 20 seconds. And I thought this was the best match on either the Kyoto uh, KBS Hall show or the Osaka Arena 2 Edeon Arena 2 show and just was like full force from the jump uh Estrella really came along here he got new gear which is good because his old gear was really kind of uh, shindy looking and you know he's adding new things each each time and he's looking really strong and Kakuda's really kind of come into his own as the bigger guy in R.E.D. at least when when you compare him to a lot of people in his unit it's not that they're short they're just much shorter than either he diamante or kai or kazuma sakamoto when they're around so you know i mean he he's got some nice big move big man move offense the hip attacks kind of come along it doesn't look as egregious or kind of as obnoxious and this was just a fantastic semi main event great closing stretch as well as kota minora got the win with the gang on BB Hulk. I went four flat on it, and it's my first uh, Dragon Gate Notebook match of the year. The main event of the show was a R.E.D. versus Natural Vibes six-man tag team match. Of course, Natural Vibes, they're back together. They're calling this the Natural Vibe 2021 reunion. It was all three members of Natural Vibe, KZ, Susumi Akoska, and Ginky Horiguchi versus the R.E.D. team of Kaido Ishida, SB Kento and Takashi Yoshida and KZ got the win with a submission of the, his spider arm twist on Takashi Yoshida in 15 minutes and 7 seconds and this was just a really nice and rowdy main event it's great to see how much chemistry Natural Vibe still has of course uh, Yokosuka and Horiguchi they are the they do hold the Kyushu Pro Tag Team Championship so they've they've been working with each other even after or even during the generational warfare, but KZ being added back into the mix was nice. Uh, did not notice whether or not they recorded a new version of Party Anthem. That's something that I suspect they will be doing one way or another just because Brother Yashi isn't around and he did half the lyrics for that song. But it just was a really like fun main event. Uh, Kaido Ishida quietly was the glue in this main event. He was the person that kept everything moving and especially when you have a match like this that you're going kind of all out there you have sbk doing sbk things and takashi yoshida it's nice having someone who's going to kind of conduct the heel things and really keep things going and after the main event after kz submitted uh takashi yoshida as yoshida is one third of the triangle gate champion team with him and sp kento and kazuma sakamoto kz challenged him for the triangle gate and of course, Natural Vibes had a real long run with these three guys as Triangle Gate champions. So that was set up for one of the back-to-back Horkin shows. And overall, as I said at the top, fun show. You can get through it in an hour and a half. It'll be up on the Dragon Gate Network until the 16th. 
And if you're going to be doing that, really, I would watch everything after the second match. It's a, uh, and then you're probably going to get in and out and really legitimately an hour and a half. And just was a good time and a nice start for Dragon Gates 2021. Coming off of Kyoto, Dragon Gate went to Osaka Edeon Arena 2 for their second show of the weekend. Attendance was 331, which was massively up. The last time they were in Edeon 2, it was just 289. And it actually kind of surprises me each time. And this tells you all how bad my memory is at times. I forget, and this is something also for people who are new to Dragon Gate, after they do Gated Destiny... They don't run Osaka for the remainder of the year. I always forget that that's their last Osaka show of the year. They usually then, you know, it's usually at the end of the month of November, and then they'll go do Hokkaido Triple Shot, and then they'll do the rest of their TV schedule, but they won't return to Osaka. So they basically have about close to two months off of doing shows in Osaka. And so 331, a lot of people came out to this, and, you know, just like, Kyoto, this was a fun show. This did not have a match peak as high as the uh, show in Kyoto, but there was a lot of fun stuff here, and overall, I mean, they've really got these uh, non-Korkin shows down, and I think some of it also is because they're going to be on such a time crunch right now with the current state of emergency in, in the Kanto region where Tokyo is a part of. To Those shows are going to have to be two hours long. They have to be done by 8 o'clock. So I guess in a lot of ways, they were kind of, you know, testing their timing out a little bit with these shows because, again, it's if you fast forward through stuff and skip the intermission, really it's an hour and a half show. And it was just a just genuinely enjoyable one. It opened up as usual with Team Boku of Ryo Saito, Bokudama Dragon, and Punch Tomonaga. This time against Natural Vibes, they went from main eventing in Kyoto to just uh, kicking off the show in Osaka. But in, you know, makes sense given who all is involved. So natural vibes of KZ, Ginky Horiguchi, and Susumi Yokosuka. KZ got the pinfall on Punch Tomonaga with a running elbow smash. And before the match, they there was a mic work, just the start of the show kind of talk. And it was about how Punch Tomonaga was very mad that he was not extended an immediate invitation back into natural vibes. He went to Ryo Saito, and he said, you know, uh, can I do both of them? Can I do that? He's like, yeah, sure. You can go do both Team Boku and Natural Vibes. But Natural Vibes were like, you know what? No, you're doing so great in and Team Boku. We don't – you should focus on Team Boku. But he wore them down, and he'll be a part of the tryout, I guess, that they will be having next weekend in Kobe, which is kind of funny because – uh, Punch Tomonaga's family, I thought it was Punch, but it's Punch Tomonaga's family. They have a dance studio called the Tomonaga Dance Factory where his dad and his mom teach dancing. And I apparently that was a place where like they trained in learning the dance. So I guess uh, Punch Tomonaga's dad is somewhat responsible for the natural vibes dance. But if there's a new dance this time and Punch Tomonaga is not in natural vibes, I can't believe that Mr. Tobinaga will let them into his dance factory this time. But it was another three-star opener. It was a, it was about what he expected to do here in this kind of opener with these six guys. It had some chances and some moments of being like a truly hot, like, you know, notable opener. But when it kind of just got going, it settled into just being pretty good. The next match was the singles match on the show was La Estrella versus Kagatora. He defeated uh, Kagatora, lost to La Estrella. La Estrella gets another win with his Libra flash pen in 6 minutes, 50 seconds. This was a really fun singles match. And, you know, Estrella has really grown comfortable in his character and the movesets and, you know, hitting his big spots in these matches. Kagatora was pretty motivated and. After the debut in Corkin against Asuma Yokosuka, where the Libra flash pen did not look so hot, this time it looked pretty good, and we got some great flourishes, and, you know, all around, this was a good showing. Match three was Dragon Kid and Keisuke Akuda being an affiliated tag team versus SB Kento and Takashi Yoshida. Uh, Dragon Kid won by disqualification because SB Kento kept on going after his mask and then attacked the referee, 11 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, this was mainly the DK versus SBK show. 
SPK was just going for the mask the entire time. It was all competent wrestling, but it really was just kind of prolonged angle, and then they continued to attack afterwards. Went two and a half stars on this. This probably was the weakest match out of their first week in a show's back, but it's an angle, and, you know, it didn't, like, drag. It just kind of was there. What did not drag was the next match. Don Fuji and Takedo Kamei, they had such great work together in Hokkaido in December. They are back-teaming. And they faced Yamato and Gamma. And it was Takedo Kame getting the pin again with the jackknife cradle this time on Gamma in 13 minutes and 14 seconds. I think this was my match of the night. And I think with this performance, Takedo Kame was kind of the wrestler of the first weekend for me. And there was just no indoor voices whatsoever in this match. And it was just basically four guys just being dickheads to each other for about 15 minutes and just chopping each other yelling at each other just being jerks and it was just was really great and the the thing that kind of struck me in the opening and something that Yamato fixated on doing during the match was whenever something happened and with Takeo Kamei he would get up in his face and shout out come on and then Takeo Kamei would chop him as hard as possible which you know was an absolute absolute blast this is just a wild and ornery match. It's one of the ones where, you know, Don Fuji, Case has talked about it. Don Fuji is someone that in his 50s, but when he's given something to do, he just kind of just goes with it and he's just brawling and just being a jerk, especially to Gamma, someone that he's teamed with a whole lot. And everyone's just kind of just a giant asshole during this match. And, you know, three and three quarters, this personally was my match of the night, but I totally understand people who would have either the semi-main event or the main event a bit higher. The semi-main event was an eight-man tag team match. Ultimo Dragon, Masaki Mochizuki, Yosuke San Maria, and UT versus the RED team of Diamante, Hio, Hip Hop Kakuda, and Daya Inferno. Hio got the win again, so two wins in a weekend for for Hio as well as Kamei with his inside cradle on UT in 14 minutes and 9 seconds. Went three and a half stars. Decent start. Uh, R.E.D. basically was just beating down on Maria. And then uh, Hip Hop Kakuda really has gotten into his gimmick and understanding how to be a heel big guy and just was like an absolute jerk and it really fired up. And everything here was by the books, but it was very well done. You had your Diamante and Ultimo Dragon section. You had... uh, just everyone just kind of going at it for 15 minutes, and it was a solid match, and it was just well done. Three and a half stars in my main event. Nothing really special there, but nothing bad. And it just was just like a very well done semi main event. And it's notable, yo, again, he's now has two wins starting off the year from the guy who's basically the fall post of RED. So it makes you wonder about the unit shuffle and how things are going to go with that in some ways because you know he kind of was someone on the sidelines in 2020 he did walk into the year as triangle gate champion and no one should forget Hio is the reason that Torimon had to disband because he won that match at Kobe world and then challenged them to user to the losers disband match so it really was Hio's trick the main event was a Masquerade versus R.E.D. trios match. The Masquerade team was Shun Skywalker, Kota Minora, and Jason Lee. R.E.D. was Ata, B.B. Hulk, and Kaido Ishida. Kind of the one through three of R.E.D. if Kai's not around. This had a super fun start. And the big thing, I had like two really big takeaways out of this match. And... The first one was, this match won 18 minutes and 38 seconds. Jason Lee got the fall on BB Hulk with the Hong Kong Tornado. And this was a match that was 18 minutes long, 18 and a half minutes long. Could have really gone 25 minutes. It just felt that strong. And, you know, Jason Lee was the star of this match. He really was like a workhorse. And it's just something being seeing such a delight for this guy who... Really came around in maximum, just kind of was there, but he's a full roster member, and, you know, he's getting... I was really worried that he would kind of be, I guess for lack of a better words, uh, just cast aside and just have to be this 
fall pose for Masquerade, but if that's going to happen, it's not happening right now. Just was a great, just was a really great main event. Three and three quarter stars. And, you know, this could be very well be like a touring main event for them. I know how much uh, Case thought that the Masquerade stuff versus R.E.D. felt had had that 2005 feeling to it, and it really did. And it's kept up in the new year, and there was one moment in this match where Shun was doing his big fire-up and his uh, big final rush where he monkey flips Ada basically across the ring. All-time great monkey flip from Ada. And it's notable that now both... Kota Minora and Jason Lee have direct falls over the Twin Gate champions, so they then proceeded to make a challenge to BB Hulk and Kai because BB Hulk and Kai won the belts off of off of uh, Kota Minora and Yamato because Jason Lee was held off that show, so they never lost the belts as a champion team, so they had a pretty strong claim. Hulk was kind of frustrated about it and said, "Yeah, fine, whatever, we'll, we'll beat you down." So. That gave us our second title match for the Corkin double shot. And all in all, great first weekend for Dragon Gate in 2021. I think I like the Kyoto show a touch more than KBS Hall. Or, yeah, I like the Kyoto KBS Hall show a touch more than the Osaka show. But really, if you have time before they go off the network, and really, you can get through both these shows in an evening. I mean, both of them really, you have about an hour and a half of ring time each uh the osaka show will remain up on the network until the 17th and again just was another solid effort and dragon gate came out swinging to start 2021 and with the kind of month they have in january it's nice to see them to start have this momentum as they then proceeded to go to tokyo for a back-to-back in corkin in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dragon Gate kicked off their back-to-back in Cork and Hall on the 12th with a really fun show. It was constrained by the current Kanto state of emergency. They started at 6 p.m. local time and had a hard out of 8 p.m. So even when I was saying for Kyoto and Osaka, where you could fast forward and get through the show in like an hour and a half, this one, bell to bell, was an hour 50. Like they knew that they had a time to hit the matches that needed time, got time, everything else was under 10 minutes. And overall, this was just another really enjoyable watch. I mean, with the restrictions, you aren't necessarily going to have the exceptional work rate matches on the undercard, but really this was a show that was built up towards the semi-main event and the main event, so it worked out that way. And, you know, there's no complaints, really. I don't need to sit around for uh, 12 minutes for a opening tag match that has Ryo Saito, Bokudomo, and Kenichiro Arai. So it was all fine. But attendance was 440, which is massively down from their end-of-the-year show in December. Not really a big surprise and nothing that I would be super concerned about, I guess. It's, I mean, they had to move the start time last week. I mean, starting at 6 o'clock is going to be a hard hard thing to get if you're going to be working in Tokyo and getting over there for the show and then I mean everyone had to be out of the building by 8 o'clock so it all made sense and I would be stunned if across the two shows if they didn't have like a combined attendance of a thousand I, I think that would be reasonable to say and the nice thing was for 440 it was not a silent crowd which I've seen with other promotions so you know you, you just kind of have to roll with the punches here the show opened up with a Team Boku versus Free Agent tag match as it was Ryo Saito and Bukudomo Dragon versus Don Fuji and we got my main man Kenichiro Rai's first appearance in a Dragon Gate ring in 2020. This match went 9 minutes 22 seconds. Bukudomo got the pin on Fuji with the La Majestral Cradle. Fuji's had some issues with getting caught in cradles and flash pins this week and he certainly is letting Mr. Nakagawa hear about it um this was just fine i mean i went two and a half stars on it considering three of the four people involved not a very shenanigans heavy match just kind of they were in there there was some comedy about it there was a lot of rio saito complaint about getting hit in the face and just pretty by the books nothing bad and you know two and a half stars it's average the second match was free agents versus red eight man tag the free agent side was Ultimo Dragon, Masaki Mochizuki, Yazushi, Kanda, and Gamma. R.E.D. was Ada, Kaida, Ishida, Hyo, and Hip Hop Kakuda. Hyo's now 3-0 and to start off the year. He got the fall in this match with the same thing he's been doing pretty much since the shows came back for 2021. He hit a low blow on Yazushi, Kanda, and then rolled him up in nine minutes. And I went three stars on this. This was a flying start with... A lot of Mochizuki trying to take out all the kids to begin with. And a, a pretty good amount of Gamma and Mochizuki in this match. Kanda and Ultimo only really came in for their moments and their spots. But it was it was pretty decent. Uh, we actually got a Gamma special leading to the finish. Which is, you know, you kind of have to write down when Gamma calls for the Gamma special and actually hits it. That's a noteworthy thing. But that went straight into Hyo getting the distraction, low blow, and... The penfall went three flat. Uh, probably the most notable thing in this match is now Hio has gotten falls on every single televised show. And for someone who is the lost post of R.E.D., that's kind of noticeable that he's been the one getting the pins, especially when you're in a tag match with Ada and Kaido Ishida. You would think one of the other two would get those falls. The singles match on the show was Keisuke Akuda versus Punch Tomonaga. They've been re- reviving their 
rivalry that they've had over the Sapporo triple shot in December where Punch Tomonaga is just taking umbrage with uh, Keisuke Okuda. Of course, uh, Okuda actually trained in mixed martial arts and has done mixed martial arts fights. Punch Tomonaga is proud that he was trained under a Gracie, but it was only for 15 minutes and he paid 100 bucks for it. And uh, just like before, Keisuke Okuda got the win. It was a referee decision knockout after a high kick in three minutes. And, you know, this was a fun... I, I like this series of matches, especially if they if they aren't building up someone to be a challenger to Okuda. I mean, Punch Tomonaka comes in. He attacked him right off the bat. He just kind of went kind of nuts, trying to go for a count out very quickly. And then he, got, he ate one of the gnarliest high kicks I've seen in a long time in a wrestling match and got counted out for the TKO. After the match, Keisuke Okuda grabbed the microphone and said, I don't know what your issue is, man, but each time you want to face, each time you, you try to step to me, you get put down. And if you keep on wanting to do this, the end result's going to be the exact same. You're going to get knocked out. So, you know, you might want to choose your fights a little bit wiser in the future. Match four was a, it, it was an interesting tag match because it was a trios match because Dragon Daya is out. Dragon Kid is kind of filling his role as a free agent. I mean, Kid is Daya's uh, mentor, so he joined up with the Masquerade members, Shun Skywalker and La Estrella, versus the free agents of Yamato, Suji, Kondo, and Kagatora. Shun Skywalker got the pen in 9 minutes and 13 seconds with the SSW, and I really enjoyed it. I went 3.5 stars for this. This was really kind of a Estrella show as things are wont to do. He's really started to come together and has been really kind of an exciting guy to watch and especially he did a 619 bulldog which was kind of nuts and there was a really nice exchange with Yamato and Dragon Kid and there was a sequence where Dragon Kid did a slingshot over the top rope to Harris onto the floor and that was followed up by Estrella doing a no touch Bermuda Triangle or Orihara Moonsault that was just absolutely nuts Estrella is just breaking the laws of Phoenix of physics not phoenix physics and it's interesting because very early it seemed like he was going to be kind of like a a shugi uh just you can't look away kind of guy he's gonna be like sugi in that regard but he's really come together and he's gotten really a lot crisp a lot more crisp and it's not that he's reckless i think maybe the first few matches you could maybe mark it up his nerves because everything has been crystal and clean in it it is noted that in the match leading up to the finish that Dragon Kid did Masato Yoshino's uh, Komori, which is Yoshino's uh, over the ropes. Instead of like the instead of the tarantula that Yoshihiro Tajiri does, this is a one that is over the top ropes, but it is a head scissors. And, you know, Yoshino doesn't do that move a lot, but Jay on commentary really pointed out that, hey, Dragon Kid is doing that move. And then... There was a reason for it, as in the post-match, Dragon Kid said that as a part of Masada Yoshino's retirement tour, where he wants to give his old moves to younger wrestlers, like how Takeda Kame got the Torbellino. He wanted La Estrella to get the Kamori, and it was kind of played up the fact that Dragon Kid doesn't know whether or not uh, Estrella actually speaks Japanese, and he was like, well, you know, if you don't take it, then I guess I will. Then Shun stepped and said, no, 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 he understands what you're saying. He'll take the move, so pretty interesting so we already have two of uh yoshino's moves given out and it makes you wonder if someone is going to get the soul naciente or the lightning spiral and then after that you a lot of his big trademarks i mean the torbellino being given to kame was a big one Komori's a big move but it's not a move that i don't remember the last time yoshino actually did the Komori. so it was kind of interesting the fact that this move even happened so it makes you wonder if someone's going to get like the baseball lariat or the uh, big double stomp off the top ropes into an arm bar or just the missile dropkick. Makes you kind of wonder. The semi-main event is was a preview match for the Open the Triangle Gate match that happens on the 13th the next day in Corkin. It was the Natural Vibes trio of KZ, Susumi Yokosuka, and Gigi Horiguchi going up against the Open the Triangle Gate champion team of R.E.D. of Takashi Yoshida, Kazuma Sakamoto, and SB Kento. The fall in the preview was 
Horiguchi getting the backslide from heaven on Yoshida after there is a bit of miscommunication and SB Kento kind of just forearmed him from the ape, uh, Yoshida in the apron over Ginky's shoulders to be able to get the flash pin. And, you know, this was a really a solid pre prelude match. It was kind of interesting that they did a flying start that very quickly Susumi Yokosuka grabbed Takashi Yoshida's chain and started choking him out, which was kind of funny. And this was like the first match that I've noticed that SB Kento was more on the defensive as Natural Vibes kind of got the better of it. And then there was a moment where Yoshida was going for the turnbuckle pad rip so that you'd send his opponent into the turnbuckles. But instead it was uh, another miscommunication between him and SB Kento. And the camera caught him as he did it. And he looked absolutely flabbergasted. I went three and a half stars on this. Just like I went for three and a half stars on the fourth match. Just another really solid preview and worth checking out. And then the post-match... Yoshida and SBK agreed to uh, to put this match behind them. Yoshida pointed out, said, like, hey, if we have this communication again, we're going to lose these belts, so let's put this behind us. And then he said a whole bunch of gibberish, and they wanted to get on the same page, page leading into tomorrow. The main event of the first Corkin of the year for Dragon Gate was an Open the Twain Gate Championship match, R.E.D. versus Masquerade, as B.B. Hulk and Kai, representing R.E.D., defended the belts against a team that never lost the belts, the previous champion team of Kota Minura and Jason Lee of Masquerade. R.E.D. would retain in 18 minutes and 18 seconds after a first flash from B.B. Hulk onto Jason Lee. This became R.E.D.'s third successful defense, and I thought this was truly exceptional. I thought that they did this match in a very very smart manner and it's not necessarily the kind of match that you see a whole lot this was pretty methodical the the whole concept about this match and it was all built on something in the opening was that red was able to isolate both members of masquerade so they weren't able to really go for double team moves or be able to tag in or out so in a lot of ways it became a, a sequence of handicap segments because in the opening Kai did this incredibly brutal power bomb onto the apron of Jason Lee and Jason Lee just was sold it like he was out cold for the next three to four minutes and then it was a two-on-one attack where Kodam and Nora kept on trying to claw out and claw to his corner but Jason Lee wasn't moving and they just beat him down r- pretty much to a pulp and then Finally, Jason Lee came in for the hot tag, and he was just clawing back, and he got he was able to get a sequence and get some momentum, but then he was still selling from the uh, the terrible apron power bomb, and he wanted to try to go tag out, but because Kota Minora took all the offense while Jason Lee was recovering from the power bomb, Minora wasn't on the apron either, so they kept on beating them down, and that led into a very interesting sequence and final stretch where masquerade got on offense but because of how much jason lee was selling and this was some tremendous work from the masquerade team especially for a guy like kodama nora who's still in his third year of wrestling he's still 22 or 21 like he's he's still kind of a baby and he's able to understand that kind of selling and i think a lot of that comes from because jason lee was just superb throughout the match and because they were selling so much, and since Jason Lee was so effective at selling the back, the Masquerade offense and double-team moves weren't as crisp as it was when they were Twin Gate champions because you're selling, and your back's hurting, so you're not able to necessarily you know, lift people up or be able to hold on to people as well as you could, so the Masquerade offense wasn't as effective. And they kept on trying, they kept on trying. There was a moment where... Jason Lee was going for the Hong Kong Tornado, but it was stopped, and then they did this gross thing where Jason Lee was on the turnbuckle backwards, ready to go for the Tornado, and then Kai picked him up off the turnbuckle, powerbombed him, and then uh, Kota Minora, who was in the other corner, was lifted up top, and then Hulk carried him over for an EVO on top of Jason Lee, and then he went for the FTX, and it was really exciting stuff and then when it broke down and became Kota Minora and Kai they were just cracking each other and 
and the the whole idea that Kai was shrugging everything off till Kodama and Nora really got him good with an elbow smash, and then the the this the, there was a sandwich final or first flash into that FTX, and that led into a medio impact in the final flash for the win and Red retained, and that concluded the show. There was a quick uh, post match segment as it was like seven fifty in Tokyo, where. Hulk grabbed the mi- the microphone and he essentially said, "Well, it's 2021. We're going to make sure that this is going to be a real extreme year, and we're going to cover color the ring of Dragon Gate red as we are RED." And that was it. That was the first corkin of the year, the first night of their double shot in Tokyo, and you know it was an incredibly easy watch. I mean, hour 50 really, and. Jay was solo on commentary, and Jay was just his usual salt stuff. Like he he was making jokes in the opener about how everyone really wanted to hear Separados on the live stream. Well, you well the Separados live stream that we have at home is the Bokudomo version, so that's what you're going to get. And then called uh, Jason Lee the master. Not sorry, not not Jason Lee. Hio the master of Bobby Hill offense because you could pretty much. Here in your head, give me back my purse. I don't know you. Each time, Hio kicked low and then got the finish. So exciting show, and it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays into the next night, and especially as the unit uh, scramble is still kind of fit being figured out, and there is no big steps in any direction off the show. The second half of Dragon Gate's doubleheader in Corkin was on the thirteenth, and. It will be up on the network until the 20th. Attendance for the show was up from the night before. Instead of 440, it was 548. So has them within a small throw of 1,000 combined for the doubleheader, which, you know, given the restrictions and given the fact that shows had to start earlier and get out at 8, getting 1,000 combined is... It's not great, to be honest, but it's... Not anything that is worrisome. I think that it's just the environmental sign of the times. And I mean, this is a company that drew 715, the first true sellout of the Cork and COVID era in December. Uh, overall, uh, another two and a half hour show flew by. It was another very easy watch. Jay on English commentary did another outstanding job. And it. It's an easy watch. I would say that the uh, matches peaked higher on the night before, but there was nothing on this show that I thought was bad or kind of took up time. It just with the restrictions and everything, and given the fact that there was a lot of angles and storylines on the second cork, and it kind of lowered the ceiling in a way, but it had a lot of interesting things. And I mean, hey, another show that's like, this whole entire week, they've been getting in and getting out. Incredibly watchable stuff. And I still had one match that was four stars or better. I have the written review of this. is already up at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Show opened up with a six-man tag team match. All unaffiliated guys. Don Fuji, Suji Kondo, and Gamma. On one side, Yazushi Kondo, Kanichi Arai, and Kagatora on the other. Kondo got the pin on Kanda with a King Kong Lariat in 8 minutes and 10 seconds. He hit two of them in succession to get the win. And, you know, this is a match where you look at the guys, you're like, wow, there's a lot of people who have a tendency of disappearing and taking nights off, but they put their best foot forward. And given what it was, I went two and three-quarter star. Kagatora looked solid in this, and Suji Kondo was the other real standout from here. And then we had a tag team match. This was a really kind of a battle of former mochizuki dojo guys as you had former mochizuki dojo team of misaki mochizuki and keisuke akuda of course they're unaffiliated right now going against the red team of eita and the other former mochizuki dojo member hyo and hyo made it four for four with his bobby hill special low blow roll up this time it was on misaki mochizuki which other than him winning the triangle gate to close out 2019, probably one of the bigger wins in Hio's career and kind of subverted my expectations because when you see someone like Hio get all these falls, you kind of 
figure, okay, they're planning something from him. He's not someone that they always just kind of book and keep strong. They have a reason for this. But So I came in this match expecting that he would do the Bobby Hill special on Keisuke Akuda, but instead it was on Masaki Mochizuki. And this was 6 minutes and 21 seconds quick three-star match like everyone played their role it was actually kind of funny in the start it was ada in the ring but then Hio was nowhere to be seen because he crawled underneath the ring to go clear across under the ring to the other side to start to attack misaki mochizuki to start the match and i thought that that was kind of funny to start um in the post-match the big blood feud must continue as punch tomonaga came out, challenged Keisuke Akuda yet again after getting his butt knocked out the night previous, and Keisuke Akuda was kind of confused, thinking, did you, like, lose blood flow to your head? Like, did you forget that this happened? Yeah, I'll face you. And then we had that impromptu singles match, Keisuke Akuda defeating Punch Tomonaga in 11 seconds with a sleeper hold. I mean, it's just continuing that storyline for whatever reason that's going to. Maybe eventually Punch Monaga is going to get a Brave Gate sh- shot out of this. I mean, who knows who's getting the next Brave Gate shot now that I'm kind of thinking about it. And the funny thing was was that already scheduled as match three was a match with Punch Monaga in it. And he just laid pass out in the ring as his partner Ryo Saito came out as we had a special tag team match. This was the Double Dragons that was set up at the Corkins from last year where Ultimo Dragon decided to team with Buku, uh, Bokudomo Dragon, and they were facing off against Ryo Saito and Punch Tomonaga. And this was a really lighthearted but fun comedy match. It went 9 minutes and 28 seconds with a double log mud straw from the Double Dragons onto the Team Boku team. And it just was kind of funny because you had uh, Ultimo doing all of his trademark moves very crisply the way you expect someone like Ultimo Dragon to perform them and then you have Bokunomo imitating them and I mean just kind of doing it in the Shimizu way that he's proficient he knows how to do the moves it's just that he's kind of clumsy and nothing looks exactly as it should so it was a pretty funny match and the post match we had Ultimo asking Saito and Tamanaga to join them as dragons and I guess this is something for them to do while ne- while Naruki Doi is on the shelf recovering from his nerve surgery on his elbow. And it seems like that they accepted it and that it might be that Punch Tomonaga would be called Punch Tomo Dragon and Saito will be Bokudomo Dragon number two. So keeps everyone busy and it was just kind of a fun time. Match four was a Masquerade versus RED eight-man tag team match. The RED side was BB Hulk, Kai, Kaido Ishida, and Hip Hop Kakuda. And it was the full active masquerade contingent of Shun Skywalker, Kota Minor, Jason Lee, and La Estrella for a masquerade. Uh, Kai got the win in 9 minutes and 41 seconds with the medial impact on Jason Lee. So following up on the match that they had the night before. And I really enjoyed this for like a sub 10 minute kind of sprint. This was a really just kind of excellent display of how this match has kind of become the house match over the last two months or at least since masquerade has formally been announced and joined and just played off of the whole uh jason lee selling his back from the night before they immediately went after him and then in a funny spot uh Hio was at ringside and he has his giant post or pencil jay calls it a pencil and it's yellow so it's a pencil and kais and kaido ishida took his box lid and he swung the boxwood into the back of the pencil, driving it into Jason Lee. And, of course, the box broke. And maybe not broke. It cracked. Or something happened where he wedged the pencil into the top of the lid. And they were all kind of just going like, wow, I really clocked that thing. And it was kind of funny. Whenever they cut to the ringside, you would see the box lid with the giant pencil sticking up. Uh, again, Kai won with the Medio impact it was just very solid stuff i enjoyed this a great deal Australia is making another step forward i thought he looked great here as well i went three and three quarters the semi-main event was a special singles match actually only the fourth time that these two have faced each other in singles matches which is kind of remarkable it's yamato and dragon kid when you think that they've 
only really team together briefly in Kamikaze and then in Junction 3. So that they've almost constantly been in opposing factions, but they just haven't had singles matches. So this was the fourth one. And it went to a no contest in 15 minutes and 49 seconds because Kai came in and interfered. And I like this match even with a no contest, even with the uh, non-finish. I thought this was my match tonight. I went four flat on it just because Dragon Kid really got over the grappling that Yamato does. And longtime listeners will know I, Mike Spears, not a tremendous fan of Yamato's grappling. It always kind of feels heatless. It feels like that it's being done to do grappling and it's not necessarily an intent. And that's not all on Yamato. That's also on whomever he's facing. But Dragon Kid's knee got targeted and he was selling it all throughout the match. There, there was a moment where he went for the Bermuda Triangle on the outside. And when he landed, he immediately like buckled his knee. And I thought that was a really smart way of kind of selling it. And it was a match where Yamato was just trying to find a way to uh, put down Dragon Kid. And Dragon Kid just getting like, just only like spurts of offense. It wasn't even like that he was consistently in control, just with survival. And right as Yamato was going for the Galleria for the finish, Kai came out and we had the uh, no contest. Again, went four stars. This was my favorite match on the show. After the RED attack, Kai pointed out that neither of them had anyone to make the save, and it was clearly towards Yamato, but then uh, Dragon Kid pointed out that it wasn't just Yamato's match he ruined, it was also his. And during this, Kai said, well, SB Kento unmasked you at uh, Final Gate, and we want to do that again, and that you're rather ugly. So Dragon Kid was eager to prove them wrong, and it's y- Yamato was kind of reluctant a reticent i mean he remembered what masato yoshino said about no one should team with uh uh with dragon kid he's a curse but we're getting a special match on the february 5th corkin with sp kento and kai versus yamato and dragon kid and have more to say about it after i talk about the main event the main event of the doubleheader the second night was the Open the Triangle Gate Championship match with R.E.D. making the third defense. The R.E.D. champion team was S.B. Kento, Takashi Yoshida, and Kazuma Sakamoto against the challengers. Natural Vibes, one of the longest-tenured Triangle Gate champions in the company's history. KZ, Susuma, Yokosuka, and Ginki Horiguchi. R.E.D. fell in their third defense. Natural Vibes becomes the 71st Open the Triangle Gate champion team, and this starts this particular Natural Vibes team's second reign as a champion team. The finish was KZ submitting Takashi Yoshida with his spider twist submission after SB Kento misfired on an elbow strike. And this went 13 minutes and 43 seconds. So when you really look at like title matches, not a tremendous amount of time was given to this. And it was either something about the match. Like it was a very good match. I went three and three quarters, but it didn't peak as high as I would expect, especially considering KZ and Kazuma Sakamoto have some absolutely tremendous chemistry. Uh, KZ sells like an, uh, just sells excellently. Like he is one of the better babyface underdogs in the company's history. But and that chemistry was great, but there was something missing. I don't know if it was the fact that they had to hit a time cue so they could do the post match stuff, or just the relative reluctance of the fans to really get invested above clapping. Like that's usually not an issue for Dragon Gate during COVID. Like the fans will just say, nah, we don't care about the restrictions. We really like this guy and we're going to cheer for him regardless, or I'm not going to be able to control myself from like shouting out a crowd call. So it was something like a little bit missing from it. And of course, leading up to this match, the whole story was if Yoshida and Kento could stay on the same page there was a couple of spots where like they were trying to act like that they were on the same page, but eventually in the finish, everything fell apart. Kento clocked Yoshida, and that led directly into the finish. Again, three and three quarters, but the more important thing about this match was the post-match. So in the post-match, Yoshida and SB Kento finally exploded. Uh, SB Kento snapped on a rookie attendant. I don't I didn't recognize who it was, who is, he's one of the guys who's on the future shows that they do pre-shows now. And Kazma pulled him back and started to like 
bark at him and then Takashi Yoshida grabbed the microphone and he said he was calling off the Kai and SB Kento match versus Yamato and Dragon Kid next month because he hated this kid from the jump and he hated that he was even a part of R.E.D. And everyone in R.E.D. was kind of going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Yoshida unilaterally ejected SB Kento from R.E.D. But as soon as Takashi Yoshida beckoned the uh, group to attack SB Kento, turned out to be a total ruse. It was a double cross. Takashi Yoshida got beat down by all of R.E.D. and he was the one ejected. So Takashi Yoshida now is out of R.E.D. SB Kento seems to be a solid, a solid part of it and willing to wager that that's not the only person who will be ejected from R.E.D. over the next few months. SBK grabbed the microphone and made it official. The match in February will still happen, so we know one match for the February cork and that SBK and Kai versus Yamato and DK match. He threw the chain. He threw Yoshida's chain back at him. They left him in the ring lying. Yoshida was left alone in the ring and wanted someone to pro teach him pro wrestling, which is something that Takashi Yoshida has said a lot. If you listen to KSMI's Rewind and Rewatch series, we're currently at a part where actually Cyber Kong is doing the exact same thing. He was kicked out of Mad Blanky and he was trying to find people to teach him pro wrestling. And he always likes to go up to Masaki Mochizuki and beg him to teach him wrestling. And usually ends up being more trouble than it's worth for Mochizuki. So Natural Vibes saw this happening. They're like, we're champions now. Bye. We're good. And then they left ringside. And then he actually called out Masaki Mochizuki. And they. Ms. Mochizuki came out and said, why do you want me to teach you wrestling? You've been wrestling for 17 years, almost a generation. You, you know how to do pro wrestling. And then it kind of was like, okay, fine. You can be my apprentice. I've, I've done this before and I'll do it again. Come on, come aboard. And then the, uh, the two left the ring. So looks like that we have Mochizuki and Yoshida right now forming something. And then along with, what seems to be forming something with uh, Yamato and Dragon Kid. That does seem to be that match. I wouldn't be surprised if something more solid comes out of that. And that left Natural Vibes in the ring to conclude the show as the new Open, the Triangle Gate Champions, and talk about their big Open audition that they're going to have on Sunday in Kobe when they will be doing an Open audition, Open dance audition at Kobe Sambo Hall to flesh out the Natural Vibes roster. And, you know, another breezy show. It's something where I still don't think it peaked as much uh, as the night before, but it did what needed to happen to really move around unit shift stuff. So you have Yoshida out of R.E.D., Natural Vibes by the time we'll do the weekly update next week should either have new members or they'll be moving in the direction of this. And then we have the Dragon Kid and Yamato tag team, which seems to be forming one as well. It's going to be interesting. Like, it looks... Unlike the surface, to me, night one was for the work rate. Night two was for the angles. And that's fine. You know what I mean? back to If you watch these shows like back-to-back, back, you're getting through them in four hours. So, I mean, that's a lot of wrestling to watch at one time. But it was all effective. And I thought it was all really well-done stuff. Closing out the show, we have a new segment. It's something Case pitched. And it's something that I think will be fun to track as we go along this year. So, with Dragon Gate back the way it is, and the way that, at least, I I can only speak for myself, I think cases of a similar mindset of how we kind of evaluate talent, and especially looking at the promotion week to week, and especially doing weekly updates, we thought it'd be interesting to track who we thought was the best person of the week, who had the best overall performance, who stood out, you know, just an overall week MVP Case is calling it Winner of the Week, so it's his idea, so we're sticking with that name. And my Winner of the Week is Jason Lee, and that is pretty much because of when I do my spreadsheet, just scoring matches, rating everything, and thinking about the Twingate match on the 12th, he, he might be one of the top 20 wrestlers working today. And it's something that he's very kind of done this under the radar he's very quiet about it but it's really remarkable the kind of performances that he and really the entirety of masquerade have had this week so 
my personal choice was uh, Jason Lee. Uh, I do have a couple notes from Case. Case's winner of the week is La Estrella. He thinks that La Estrella has just really stepped forward, and, and I agree too. And his improvements and the, and the crispness that he's done and the way that he's become really a highlight of these masquerade tag matches is what gave Case the uh, reason to name him his winner of the week. So for the first week of 2021 in Dragon Gate season, we are going to go with Jason Lee and La Estrella as our winners of the week. It'll be a fun thing to kind of track and see who gets the most winners of the week by the end of this year. I guess they'd be the winner of the year in that case. But also I had a couple notes from Case as he, he'll be back next week. He had a couple notes on the shows that he was able to watch so far this week. He said that he didn't go higher than four star. He didn't go four stars on anything in Kyoto and Osaka. I, I had a four I had four stars on one of the things. So he was a little bit more down, it seems like, than I was on these shows. He is astounded by Estrella's progress. I mean he is Case's winner of the week, so of course he would be. And then he also, as an aside, he is angry at how right I was about this whole Yamato, Hulk, and Yoshida situation, which, I mean, I don't, I like speaking things into existence, but I like speaking things into existence. That'd be to everyone's benefit. And I know that uh, Yamakong was a really strong tag team during uh, Matt Blanky, but, you know, I, I would love to get get the four of them away from the twin gate titles but that's just me though and uh yeah that's pretty much going to be it for this week we do not really have a card for the kobe sambo hall show on the 17th it will be on the network as all kobe sambo hall shows are the only thing we really know is that there will be the natural vibes open audition see who might join the group if i were to guess two people who i think will end up joining this group if it's either through the auditions or just because it seems like that these two would be good fits and would fit in with the other three. I'm leaning towards Yosuke Samaria and UT. I feel like that those two could really flesh out the unit and Maria's got dance moves, so she could do something there. And I think UT teaming with like Susumi Yokosuka would be a lot of fun as well. And that's going to do it. So you can follow the podcast at Open Voice Gate. Case will be back next week, and his Twitter account is underscore in your case. And you can follow me on Twitter at Fujiheya. Until next time, thank you for listening to Open the Voice Gate. Take care. <laughs>